welcome to Y11 Audio, the official podcast for the Ypsilanti 11, uh, a newsletter that covers EMU, college football, uh, and more. Just, there's just so much to it. I got to work on that tagline. Uh, but I'm Alex Alvarado. Thank you for listening. This is the second episode, uh, as I told you kind of in the introduction. I'm not editing this introductory episode. Uh, it'd be a little bit before you heard this voice again. And here I am. Uh, sorry, it took a little bit. Uh, I had to put some things into boxes and put things out of boxes and in between put them on a car or a truck or both and make multiple trips to and from. But past couple of days, guess what I did? Woke up in the morning, stretched, uh, did one of them yawns. <sighs> and then I remembered I was an Ipsy. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Um, just being around here again. It's, uh, of course, as a 30-year-old dork, it's bringing back a lot of memories, just like walking and driving around, seeing what's still standing, seeing, you know, oh my gosh, I remember when that building used to be that. Oh my gosh, I remember when that used to be that. Oh, that's still the wooden nickel. You haven't changed one bit. I love that. That's, it's really, really good to uh, wake up in Ipsy again to just, you know, get back, you know, just, just get back to a place that I like. I didn't like where I lived before. But here I am, and here we are before a microphone too, doing a doing a thing that I like doing in a place that I love being in. Oh, what a great combination! I had a friend over before I moved, and we were just kind of hanging out, kind of dorking around, just talking about football. Yeah, football. Uh, allegedly, it's happening pretty soon. And he had he had this uh, this crazy thought because we're you know right now we're kind of brainwashed into talking about like TV deals and you know, alliances, non-alliances, whatever you want to call it, just stupid words. But like the one thing that like people keep forgetting about me included is that the sport of football allegedly will happen uh, pretty soon. And one of my friends is a big fan of that sport too. And so we're talking and he goes, Hey, what are you, uh, what are you excited for, for this season? I know very simple, lame question, but at the same time, I'm like, Oh my God, everything. Normally, I'm spending, like, May, June, what's the other one, July, I mean, August is still in the books, so, you know, who knows, but, like, by then, I'm already kind of burnt down on what I've talked about in the preseason, because usually, I like, I spend, like, the spring and early summer just, like, kind of reading through everything about, about football and just the rosters and where everybody's been and, um who I don't know about, who I've heard too much about, but still don't know enough about. Normally it's that time where like you just kind of dork out like at the late nights and just kind of like read some stats about wide receiver three at uh, Boston College. Actually, I haven't done that. Wait, I've never done that. I don't think I've ever, ever. Oh my God, that's a that's an interesting thought. I'm going to write this down. Have I ever looked up who the wide receiver three at Boston College was? Jen uh, say doubtful, but you understand what I'm trying to say. I haven't really done that this summer. It's just been like full of, oh, what is Fox going to do next with the Big Ten? Oh, what is, you know, it's just, just conversations like that that I just, I'm going to keep continuing to have and like, you know, partake in because that's what we're left with. But I don't want to. I didn't get into this thing because I wanted to talk about Fox all the time. I wanted to talk about sports. I want to talk about the goddamn games. Like, that's why we're here. 
I'm here because I love football and I just kind of want to get into it. And my friend asked me, if you hear people working outside, hey, I just love being an Ipsy, okay? I don't care what it sounds like. Uh, but you care about what this podcast sounds like. I apologize on their behalf. Stop it, guys. Just ignore them. What are you excited for this season? Oh, what a loaded question. Because I'm looking forward to just so many things across the board. Locally, nationally, somewhere tucked away in a corner. Things I'm just making up in my head. Hey, man, I, I'm, I'm a fan too. So I kind of have things broken up. I want to get into everything nationally and locally. Uh, we're going to go across the conferences, and I'll just kind of brisk through them pretty quickly. There's like two longers. Um, and I've got notes uh, across the Mac. Like, hey, what am I excited for? What am I? Akron. Yeah, you too. Central Michigan. Yeah, you. Uh, NIU. Yeah, even you. Ohio. Name a team. I'm, I, I will find a reason to get excited for them one way or another. Even if that means I just have like like an open curiosity because like I'm not excited because I know what I'm gonna get out of these people. They're they're kids, <laughs> you know. I'm excited for the uncertainty for the most part, but I have concentrated uncertainties. So that's kind of what I want to point out here. Uh, we'll do national, we'll go across the MAC, and then we'll do a couple things on Eastern, uh, especially when we get more towards like the MAC and EMU. I'll point out specific guys, but a lot of these are just going to be like storyline based. So I hope you, uh, you know, hope you enjoy this. And if you are looking forward to football season at all, uh, and you have something that you want to share, reach out via voicemail, uh, the number 734-273-9224. Email me at ipsy11 at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at ipsy11. Uh, going across the nation, we're just going to go conference by conference. We're going to go alphabetically here uh, just to keep things a little bit more organized and my life easier. Uh, and the ACC, like I've noticed one team that a lot of the national media specifically, uh, kind of like the Ralph Russo's of the world, are saying that they want to see do better. Like, like there's all these teams, right? And if you go to your childhood, they were good, and then... At some point in your adulthood, they won't be good. And then further on in your adulthood, they're just like, what the hell is wrong with you guys? You guys used to be really good. Like right now, people my age are looking at Boise State. Where are you at? Uh, the Ralph Russo's, like I said, I, I don't know why I'm just holding on to him. I don't even know if he's the one that said it. Uh, they're, but you get what I'm trying to say. Florida State is that team because they were so good for a while. Uh, in, incredibly great. Like no, top five, like annually. Every year. If you were born in 2007, you probably would not know that. But Florida State's a team that, you know, a lot of people are just, like, kind of taking stock in. And I'm not one to, like, root against them. And I'm not even one rooting for them. I'm just, I'm okay with them not. I'm totally okay with them. Oh, let's see. Let's look at week one. Losing to Duquesne. I think that'd be hilarious. I don't think that'd be a really bad thing for football. I'm just going to say it. And you know what? I don't want them to be good because I don't want the I don't want them to be rewarded. Oh God, here we go with non-football stuff. To be rewarded for all the stupid stuff that they've done in firing and hiring and overpaying for all these coaches with all these contracts. Like, hey, it's not my fault they burned like giant piles of cash on national television just because they couldn't get coaching and football and etc. figured out post the uh, you know 
<laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Jimbo was there like 10 years ago. This world moves quick. But it's not my fault that Florida State decided to Florida State the shit out of itself. And then now we have like a bunch of media people saying like, oh, man, I wish they would just be good. No, I don't want them to be justified. I don't ever want them to reach a bowl game. Like if we went through all the 2020s and Florida State never went to a bowl game, they get what they deserve. That's totally cool with me. That is totally okay with me. I am not rooting for Florida State to uh, to do well because just because of everything else that they've done outside of football, which really sucks for the people that are actually playing the dang sport for Florida State. But also they need to stop the, uh, you know, that one chant. Once that, get, once that goes away, then I'll actually uh, be like, okay, Florida State can maybe go to a bowl game this year. In the American Conference, uh, Cincinnati, of course, People love to talk about Cincinnati. People love to talk about the one historical program to make it to the playoff, of course. Uh, should they repeat? Sure. And they're going to have to do it with old friend alert quarterback Ben Bryant. Uh, didn't make an all-Mac roster last year, but was still really good, over 3,000 passing yards. You know, Got more playing time than he would have if he would have just like been the QB2 behind Ritter last year. So uh, good luck to him. I don't really have like a deep analysis on like how good or how bad he'll be in that offense. I just know that he got like way more reps than he would have otherwise. Uh, and I'm kind of like, you know, good luck to you. Uh, so that's kind of locally. But otherwise in the American, the thing I wrote down is Duke? Question mark. Uh, in the Big Ten, the one thing I'm really looking forward to is, uh, and I don't know when this is going to be, but we'll know it when we see it, is the Rutgers spoiler game. Not that there's like a huge history of Rutgers spoiling things for everybody else, but there might be a new one. Uh, Rutgers, not good, but getting better, especially defensively. And they have a new quarterback that's a four-star. He's a redshirt freshman. He's replacing uh, Noah Verdell. You might recognize him as a guy that wore number zero, which number zero. I need, I need to just like bring this up really quickly. Like, stop. There are some positions where you just can't wear zero. Even though I'm going to bring up someone else that wears number zero at quarterback later. You can't wear zero if you're a quarterback, a receiver, or a defensive back. It just doesn't look good. Like, it just does not look good. I think, and this is my this is my proposal, you can only wear zero if you're the center because zero is the number that most looks like a football. And the center is the first guy to touch the football. Yeah? Yeah, but they got a four-star quarterback. Rucker does. Gavin wins at, uh, I don't know. Should be good. I don't know the last time Rucker's had a blue chip quarterback, but here we are. Uh, where on the schedule are they gonna get? You know that spoiler game. Probably in the back half, but it's still pretty good. Uh, you could still spoil things at at Ohio State maybe, versus Michigan at Michigan State versus Penn State, depending on where those four teams are at in the schedule. Or, you know, in their respective seasons. Uh, I don't know. I, I could see Rutgers mudding things up because they're making progress on defense and now they're trying to find the new quarterback to kind of like, I don't know, just get the offense going, right? So, uh, but Rutgers, not that anyone wants to hear a Rutgers schedule on a Mac football podcast, but here the hell we go at Boston College versus Wagner, at Temple versus Iowa, at Ohio State versus Nebraska, bye week, home against Indiana, at Minnesota, Home against Michigan at Michigan State. Home against Penn State at Maryland. 
and the random future rooting interest that I'm I'm just shooting for because I want to see the world burn. Not all of it, but like I told my friend Caleb Carter, who you probably know from other podcasts or will meet on this one. I kind of want, oh, oh, what I was trying to tell him was that uh, I don't want the whole world to burn. I just want the shitty parts to burn. Um, I kind of want Talia Tagovailoa to, one, have an amazing season for Maryland. And then, B, transfer to Texas. That'd be great. Uh, man, I got to speed this up. Big 12, I said TCU, question mark. And the non-conference game that I need to see the ratings for after it's done is week one. Uh, Central Michigan at Oklahoma State. Hey, I don't make the rules here. It's just, it is what it is. Also, the game's on a Thursday. You dopes. Um, CUSA, Western Kentucky is reliably fun. Also, they have like a Western receiver that just transferred there, Jalen Hall. So uh, makes it a little bit easier to root for them, especially since he's not wearing the wrong colors now. Uh, in the Mountain West, Air Force, I'm looking forward to them running all over everybody again. Uh, more teams need to just play football like them. Uh, speaking of, in the Pac-12, uh, here's a headline I wrote. You all ready for this? Because I think Utah's going to run the table this year. Full stop. Uh, in the SEC, Vanderbilt plays at Northern Illinois this year. Vanderbilt, SEC program. Not like, you know, so SEC where like you're, I don't know, good at it. But Vanderbilt is at Northern Illinois this year. Okay. Okay. Okay, then we will, NIU will host an SEC team, and, you know, history will just write the rest, I guess. Uh, Specific SEC game to watch, SEC versus SEC, Mac. Specific SEC game I'm looking forward to, though, is uh, week six, LSU versus Tennessee. Tennessee is going to be off a bye that week. Could be crazy then. And uh, I. I just think Brian Kelly's just going to do a damn good job at LSU, unfortunately. Don't like the guy, but... Hey, 10-win LSU. Uh, and in the Sun Belt, I mean, Marshall. Marshall's who I'm going to watch. Marshall's who I'm rooting for. Uh, I'll always pick Marshall in anything, just for no reason. I just love Marshall. And, uh, you know, I've been told that they're very talented. So why not? Now, uh, in the Mid-American Conference... God, there's just so much to look forward to here. Um, again, we're just going alphabetical by team. Uh, Akron, you can't talk about Akron without talking about the Joe Moorhead turnaround. I mean, it already looks like a different team. It's branding, it's logo, which the logo actually does look good. I don't, I don't care what you have to say. Like, the logo looks inconspicuous and halfway decent. That's what you want Akron to be. Uh, lots of new faces, you know, transfer portal, you know, coaching change, all that stuff. Kanata Mumfield, going to miss the hell out of him. Uh, wide receiver who only had one offer out of high school. And then as a true freshman, is like the one of the most sought-after receivers in the nation. Ends up at Pitt. Unbelievable. Just re- like, especially like in this day and age. Like if you're telling me someone, if the transfer portal would have been around 30 years ago, right? And you would have told me years later a story about, you know, some... Some local kid from uh, from the area just was not really looked at, just took his best offer, which just so happened to be Akron, and then, oh, my God, had a great freshman season. Should have been Mac freshman of the year. Oh, my God, and then he ends up uh, getting all these P5 offers just because he blew up in college for one year. 
you know, that makes sense because like back then there was no social media, right? Like you can hide recruits better that way. But what what were we sleeping on with Kanata Mumfield? Like nationally, like what were the coaches sleeping on with this guy? Like where was the disconnect in how good he could have been versus I don't know. I, I don't I don't get it. I just that that it's that's wild to me. Uh, speaking of number zeros that played quarterback, though, remember I said something about that. Uh, DJ Irons, can you have a turnaround here? Irons wasn't particularly bad, you know. Like, I think he got coached fairly well, um, considering that the last coach there was a quarterbacks guy. But with Joe Moorhead, now we should be seeing some excitement. There should be more, more talent coming in around him. I mean, we're, we might be already seeing that through the portal, but. The combination of DJ Irons, who is a pretty big guy, pretty lanky, lengthy guy, uh, strong build too, putting that athletic character in a Joe Moorhead offense, I wonder what we could see out of that. I hope it means for a better East race. Ball State, you know, Ball State has an identity. Not a bad one, actually. Not a bad one. Like, I don't, I'm not saying this is any BS. I really like. Ball State's identity, even though it underachieved last year. Uh, and the question that I wrote down for myself is, is Yo Hines Tyler even the best wide receiver on his own team? I used to think he was, by a long shot. Now I'm not sure. Jayshon Jackson, Jay Sean Jackson uh, 20 more catches and 300 more yards than Tyler in 2021. He was a transfer from Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati. Um, and plus they have to... They have to replace Justin Hall somehow, so where are those catches even going to go? They also bring in a transfer from Vanderbilt. Yeah, you know Vanderbilt. Uh, Amir Abdur-Rahman could be pretty good. Uh, huge build, 6'3", 225. I don't know, man. Ball State's got some options. I know they have a new quarterback, and I know you know it took them a while before they really found out how to get the ball moving on offense last year, even though... I, I, last year it just did not make sense to me. I don't. I don't know. But it is hard to repeat. It really is. They do have to bring on a new quarterback in John Paddock, uh, but he's going to have some good receivers to throw to, especially to Yo Hines and Jay Sean. We haven't seen anything out of the new uh, Vanderbilt transfer yet, but I suspect that Ball State's going to be in a good place because I, I just like where Mike New is at. Um, but Yo Hines Tyler, I thought he was really good, and I still think he's really good, but. Man, this receiver room just got a little bit better without us really noticing too hard. Bowling Green? I have no faith in Bowling Green, but my question is, uh, like, will it be defensive heavy enough? Enough for what? I don't really know. It just, that, that's where I ended the question. That's where I ended the question. Uh, here's an answer for you. Carl Brooks is back. And I thought last year he was going to go to the NFL kind of thought the year before that he could have but now he's back he's gonna be wearing a different number he's not 44 he's now 11 uh the Lansing native he he tears it up for Bowling Green he is he has been their best defensive player for like a half a decade now so I'm I'm just genuinely excited to see him play for Bowling Green because he's the only player I'm probably going to pay attention to I just until they prove it and I know they've won a couple games. They beat Minnesota and they beat Buffalo. I still just am not sold on the the long term potential on uh on Bowling Green as it stands. 
Not sure about Buffalo's long-term potential either. Just just not sure. Just haven't really seen. Because Mo Linquist, he only took over late May or early May last year, right? So it wasn't the best time to take over a college football team, and there's not a lot of returning offensive players this year, which is good. Like, you don't want a lot of returning guys in your second year like that. Um, the offense has a lot of new-looking players, so what can it accomplish? Uh, Cole Snyder is a quarterback. He transfers in from Rutgers. Keon Williams, he was on the team last year, but he's, like, one of the only main returning pieces. Uh, great receiver from Eastern, of course. And they just have a lot of new guys. I don't really know what to expect out of Mo Linquist. So, you know, there's some returning defenders on there, which I like. But offensively, I don't know, man. What what, what can you accomplish? For CMU, uh, I don't say this. I, I, I try not to say this disrespectfully towards, like, the player I'm going to, like, point out here. Uh, because I think he's incredibly talented. I just say this more with respect to the pieces that had to work around him and do work around him. Which is my question... What are the odds that Lou Nichols has fewer than 1,000 rushing yards this year? Uh, CMU has to replace two really, 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 really talented offensive linemen. And Kobe Lewis is gone, the backup. Um, when CMU now has to get out of its rhythm where it doesn't have the same two offensive linemen on the left side of the line, where it can just bulldoze offenses. And Lou Nichols got a bunch of... A five yard, five yard, five yard runs out of them. But he also found his 40 yard, 30 yard, 40 yard runs out of huge blocks from those two as well. So I don't think CMU is going to be in a terrible place. Um, I think Lou Nichols will definitely pass a thousand yards. But there are, there is a chance that he doesn't. Uh, he did reach like close to 1900 yards last year, like 18 something. I'm not going to look it up right now. Um, I love Lou Nichols. He's great. I wish he would have come to Eastern instead of the other school. Uh, but, hey, you're losing one of your best backups, and now you're losing two dominant forces, two huge dominant forces on the offensive line to really establish and force a run game. And so if they don't get a run game going early in games the same way that they used to, then they're going to have to rely on Daniel Richardson and the receiving core to uh to get the offense going and so i think a combination of a bunch of things and game flow as well will add up to uh i don't know fewer rushing yards out of nichols uh for kent state i asked colin schley this is the first time sean lewis is going to have to start a quarterback that he recruited out of high school at first he had woody barrett who you know he didn't recruit out of high school he was first like a four-star guy that went to auburn from florida from the state of Florida. And then he went to Juco, and then he ended up at Kent State. And then after that, it was Dustin Crum. Dustin Crum was not a, uh, a Sean Lewis recruit. He was from the last staff. So Colin Schley now, in his like second or third year with the program or whatever, he's young, he's, he's spry, he's able to do it. Uh, will he be able to do well for the offense? Kent State's not going to be the kind of offense where you know, after the season, whatever we think about Colin Schley, if he's good, he's bad. If he throws for 45%, whether he throws for 70%, we're not going to be talking about him as like, oh, he's super smart and he can like understand defenses, blah, 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 because that's just not the offense that Kent State plays. 
Kent State plays an offense where you have to get the ball out of your hand in 1.9 seconds. You know what I mean? So he's there's not a lot of like defensive interpretation going on upstairs when it comes to that. And I, I don't want to – that sounds a little too simplistic. But they are playing the fast game. And so if Collins Lee can make fast, effective, dedicated decisions with good – rep with uh, like repeatedly. If he can like repeatedly and consistently do that, then he'll do well for them. But it's not about – you know, being the best, smartest guy out there. It's just making good, fast decisions. And so can Collinsley do that? I, I think so. I don't know. From, like, the limited action that I did see him in against a really banged-up Bowling Green team in, like, really garbage weather, uh, probably during the COVID year, 2020, that is. It's still going on. Yeah, I don't really know. So I just say Collinsley. Uh, Miami, I'm kind of looking forward to the offense. Um I know that defense is the way to go for this for this team. I, Chuck Martin is, you know, big defensive guy, of course. But they love Brett Gabbert. They loved him from the start. I like him. Uh, I don't know if I love him like that. I think he's my Mac QB one, maybe two. But he's definitely worked his way up for it. Um, and he's knocked on the door of an East championship, especially last year against Kent State. Um, definitely should have won that game, but you know he had a couple dumb interceptions in that game, and he had one bad interception against the Ohio loss, uh, in the Ohio loss. But I think Brett Gabbert still has, you know, even though he's not like the most efficient quarterback I've ever seen, he's not the most talented, he's not the most skilled. He does make a lot of really good decisions. He just needs to make better throws sometimes, and I think his receiving core is pretty good. Like, Miami's done a pretty good job of building this up, especially with Mac Hippenheimer leading the way. I know they're going to miss Jack Sorensen, but Hippenheimer's really, really talented. And so I'm excited to see what those two can string up um, in 2022. Uh, for NIU, I'm excited to see the defense. Really excited to see the defense. They learned how to keep games in front of them last year. They really, really buckled down. They played really hard, especially, like, in late moments of the game. They really figure things out. Uh, and so the fact that this team is growing up is still intact and they're making more plays in the backfield while doing all this, I love NIU, man. I love this defense. I'm excited. Uh, Ohio, it's kind of hard to pick. I don't really want to like be lazy and say, like, oh, the quarterback, because, you know, Nathan's brother. Nathan's having a great year in the CFL. Um, no, this, is, this isn't this is going to be one of those Mac football podcasts where we just do the lazy thing and just say, like, oh, the, the quarterback. Uh, you know, because that would just eat up a lot of time that you don't need to hear. Of course, you know the quarterback's going to be good. Of course, you want to see Curtis Work and just him finally take over. And if that can, if that goes well, then everything else for Ohio kind of goes right. Uh, especially for a lot of my base, for my listeners who root for Eastern and had to see that in person last year. Yeah, no, I, I, I it's really not fun to hear or talk about. But there are a lot of returning defenders on Ohio's roster. And because of the cohesiveness, I kind of... And, like, the, you got to remember last year is when uh, is when Frank Solich retired, like, in June or July. Like, what? Wasn't, like, right before, right before media day. Like, was not expecting that at all. 
So I don't know. Maybe this year just has a different tune for that locker room. And because of the cohesiveness between its, uh, my Phil Steele magazine says it's eight returning starters uh, on defense. I don't know. Maybe Ohio can string up some good moments. And maybe the experience at quarterback finally really pays off. And maybe, just maybe, some skilled guys break through. At running back, I don't know anything about the Segura guy. Um, they're they're going to miss 24, that's for sure. But, you know, Ohio's got some work to do. And if it's going to make a run in the East, it's going to have to do it with the backs of its defenders, keeping the game in front of them, just like I praised NIU just a moment ago. Um, if they're going to capture that East banner, if they're going to get past Kent State and Ohio and Buffalo, shit, and slow down the new Akron, yeah, it's going to have to like really, really, really rely on its upperclassmen defenders. Uh, Toledo's probably going to be like, I, I assume is going to be like one of the most highly respected teams in the preseason standings, as it annually is. Um, and if you just like look at the roster and look at recruiting rankings, you're like, oh, fuck, man, how can I not pick Toledo? Here's one guy I'm really excited to look for, and it's Penny Boone. Uh, he's from River Rouge, uh, transferred from Maryland this year. And he's probably going to lead an already stacked running back room at Toledo. I, I just like a lot of how Toledo is built. The, the, you know, the demographics of where a lot of these players are coming from. Penny Boone, like I said, River Rouge, the quarterback, Daquan Finn, Detroit. Ah, man. Toledo should be good. And then it won't be. Uh, I, I really wish, like, at the time, like, Penny Boone could have ended up in the green and white once he hit the... The transfer portal, but say la vie. Western Michigan might be a new looking team and kind of the same looking team, uh, replacing a lot, especially at receiver, especially at quarterback. Uh, looking a little light on offense, honestly. My Phil Steele magazine says that there's only three returners, three returners on offense, uh, starting coming back, but also, I don't know, man, like. Tim Lester's done this before. Like he's replaced quarterbacks, like John Watson, Caleb Ellaby. Um, he he knows how to do this. There already is a system in place, so I'm kind of not worried about it. They still have one returning receiver in Corey Crooms that did make a lot of really good plays, um, especially when it had to figure out how to um, move forward after D. Eskridge was drafted. You know, Western Michigan. Yeah, there's going to be some new-looking faces, but it's going to be a lot of the same approach. Western Michigan's still going to be really, really talented. It's not like there's going to be a huge, huge, huge drop-off you know, from one guy to the next. There hardly ever really is. They're still going to be in it in the West. They just need to tough it out you know, in October and in November to make a real shot. But you know, I think Western's going to be a good-looking team, and you might not recognize all of the faces out there, and like all the names and numbers and like how to match those up in your head in real time. But like design wise, Western's still going to look very, very good and still going to be as effective as has it as effective as it's been uh, in recent years. And if that also means that it loses to Eastern in the third year in a row, oh, you know, that's just, you know, hey, I, I'm excited for it. You know, that's all I'm saying. Okay, for EMU, I only have four things listed here. Sorry to keep you stringing along to the end, but here we are. Number one, uh, 
the quarterback. Oh, shit. There I go. I said I wouldn't. I said, I just told you I wouldn't be lazy. But here I am. Because how can you not? You know, we... EMU lost its QB1 and QB2 to the portal. And QB4. So <laughs> there is a lot riding in this quarterback room, especially with all these transfers that it brought in um, and some of the new guys that it has. But Taylor Powell is going to be the leader of this offense. Um, he's pretty skillful. He's only got one year to give, so he's going to, you know, in my head, he's going to give it his all. Um, what does that mean, and what is that going to look like in 2022? How much can he provide? There is a steady, you know, group of receivers that he can throw to. I don't know how much life that he can have behind the offensive line. Uh, that remains to be determined, but... Uh, ben Bryant, it didn't seem to be the case that, you know, he could be sacked any fewer than uh, 30 times last year. So Taylor Powell, hey, a lot of talent with him. Uh, there's a lot of want left for him. You know, he didn't have the careers that he wanted at Missouri or at Troy. So he's got one year left. He's going to spend it at EMU. Let's see what that looks like. Uh, the hands at wide receiver, this is number two. The hands at wide receiver are going to have to lead this offense. I remember two or three years ago, pre-pandemic. So this could have been like 10 years ago at this point. I was talking to Chris Creighton, and he was trying to tell me that the strength of this team, and this was like right after the quick lane bowl, right? He tells me the strength of this team looks like it's going to be the offensive line. And moments before that, I told him I thought the strength of the team was going to be the wide receivers. And this is like before, you know, this is like three years ago. So think of how much the roster's changed since then. Um, in two aspects, not a lot. Hassan Badoon and Dylan Drummond. You know, and then since then, Tanner Canoe, he's come on. He's been really good. Zach Westmoreland, he's come on. He's been pretty good so far. Uh, we don't really know at least like speaking on like game days, right? Don't know too much of what to expect out of like Ishan Stewart and Dennis Smith, a couple transfers that came in over the last couple of years. Um, th this is an offense where like skilled guys want to play receiver at and EMU's done a good job of finding good hands. Like Keon Williams, I talked about him. He was good. Arthur Jackson, he had good hands a while ago. Sergio Bailey, this coaching staff has an eye for talent when it comes to receiver and wants to get all these receivers involved. And so how it got, you know, a couple of walk-ons like Badoon and Tanner Canoe to be like stars on this offense is, is really good. And so now it's just, it just means that, okay, now that you guys are the seniors, you three, uh, Canoe, Badoon, Drummond, y'all got to lead this offense now. Like you, This is like your team. If I were talking to Creighton and I said, hey, it has to be the strength of your team, he'd probably agree with me. I think he would agree with me if I said that this has to be the the strength of the team, his wide receiver. Even if it isn't, which it is, but even if it wasn't, it would have to be. Uh, defense, a uh, pair of new linebackers, you know. Uh, Terry Myrick's going out and Tariq Spates... Looks like he's taking an LB2 role as a couple of transfers come in, Joe Sparicio and uh, 
Chase Klein from Boston College and Michigan State, respectively. Uh, Joe only has like one year left. Klein, I believe he has two. I'm not looking at my spreadsheet right now. Uh, new kind of new pair of linebackers. You know, it just needed improvement. I hope that's I hope that's good enough to like close the gap a little bit on defense, especially on the run support. All right, and I'm just gonna name one guy, last guy to name, and this is gonna be a guy to watch as practices start. Corey Hernandez, uh, safety. He missed all of 2021 with an injury. Uh, in 2020, he had like 49 tackles, did a really good job. Um, came in out of high school, went to Arkansas, then he went the Juco route, then he found his way at Eastern. Um, I know the team really, really missed his absence last year. If he's able to play this year, this defense is going to like take another step up. And with how many defensive backs and how many safeties you know, EMU has done a pretty good job with recruiting and building up and like keeping on this field, like not on the field, but on staff or on roster rather on staff would say that EMU pays them, but on roster EMU likes its safety room. It likes its defensive backs. Adding an experienced guy like Corey Hernandez would really help out, you know, with its depth and its talent. And it would really, really help out the defense in like the long, late stretches in games late in the year. So, if healthy, Corey Hernandez, I would definitely watch out for five. All right, but that is going to do it for me. Uh, th- that didn't even tackle like a third of the things that I'm looking forward to this year. But uh, glad to share some of the thoughts with you. You, hey, it's your turn. You share some of the thoughts with me. Leave a voicemail. Leave an email. Tweet at me, go in the comments of, uh, I don't know, somewhere on Substack. Uh, Last week on Thursday, I wrote and published about, you know, the quarterbacks, kind of just like previewed that room. My plan right now, I got to finish it up, is to go through the running backs for this Thursday and then just go down the list every Thursday leading up to the season, essentially. So thank you for listening. Please follow along if you haven't already. Uh, And I will be back with, I don't know, man, something else next week. Media Day is coming up. I'll be there. It's going to be in Cleveland, which really sucks. Uh, I live right by Detroit, pretty much have my whole life, minus like a year. Um, And so the fact that Media Day is not in Detroit this year really, really sucks for me. But again, it really only sucks for me uh, and nobody else because people love Cleveland. I said people love Cleveland. Cleveland.